there's um there's really only been one significant occasion when I really lost one of my children. Um, it was Beth. I don't know if that comes as a surprise or not. Um, it was when she was about two. She wasn't there yet. She was quite young, very little. And she was in the lounge uh, looking through her books, her picture books, and she was very content, very happy. And I thought, well, I'll take the opportunity to tidy up the kitchen while she's happily reading in the lounge through the books. Well, clearing up the kitchen included taking the, uh, the rubbish bin out and uh, did that, came back in, carried on. About half an hour later-ish, I, uh, I realised, oh, flip, it's time to go, better collect the other one, Hannah, from school. And so I went to get Beth from the lounge and she wasn't there. And I thought, well, she's obviously gone somewhere else. She's in the house. So I, I looked throughout the house and she's quite good at hiding, so I thought, okay, she's trying to be funny. She really wasn't in the house. So I checked the garden. She really wasn't there. I thought, wow, she is not here. I couldn't work out. I couldn't work out where she could be. And I thought, well, she's definitely not in the house. So I started to walk down the close. And... Uh, and... Thankfully, actually, a lady was coming the other way, and she said, oh, were you looking for a little girl? <laughs> yes, she's just over, over there. Um, I mean, I'd actually, I'd remember texting a school mum friend, uh, might be late, can't find Beth. <laughs> she must have been quite horrified. Anyway, it turned out that when I had taken the bin out, she had been following me, but had probably gone down the other side of the car. So I hadn't seen that she had followed me. And, and it really was about, well, about 45 minutes plus <laughs> uh, that she was exploring uh, the close and, uh, and, and she, until she got engaged in the conversation with some uh, rather concerned mums who wondered why this little, little one was unaccompanied. And so, of course, they called the police. And uh, Beth, in all of this, completely unfazed, and no comprehension of just how many people were aware uh, of or concerned about her little adventure. So I do have some sympathy, therefore, with Mary and Joseph when they uh, realise that Jesus is not with them as they'd expected. This incident recorded in Luke 2 is actually the only one or such that's like it in the Gospels about the life of Jesus between infancy which is where we kind of left it this morning, um, and the beginning of his ministry. Um, it serves to remind us that Jesus understands the depths and heights of human experience, um, having himself gone through them as he grew into adulthood. Others of you, um, a bit like this, others of you may be appalled that it took Mary and Joseph a day to realise sort of sympathise. I think I could probably do this, actually. <laughs> it took them a day to realise that Jesus wasn't actually with them, and a further two days to actually find him. Uh, I, I remember in Sunday school days thinking that this was really bad parenting. <laughs> but apparently, although it was, uh, in those days, it was not uncommon uh, to travel 
for, for sheer sort of safety in numbers, uh, it, to, to, to travel in large groups. So it wasn't an unusual thing for him not to be right by their side. I think it's quite certainly a, a modern phenomenon where we don't want them out of our sight, except me. Okay. Um, so in the same way that I'd assume Beth would be where I'd left her, you know, they were quite content that she would be with the group, of course. The thing is, it seems Mary and Joseph, basically, when they discovered that Jesus was not with them, they basically looked in all the wrong places. Hence, it took them quite a while to find him. Since all the amazing experiences surrounding his birth, life had perhaps become quite ordinary. No more angels, adoring shepherds, wise men, travelling from the east with lavish gifts. It's likely that their day-to-day -day was now much, much more mundane. And they were either were aware of what their son would do and, and become, but thought, well, you know, that's, that's years ahead. He doesn't have to, he's not doing that yet. And so that just wasn't on their radar that he was going to be anything other than their little boy. Or they failed to see that actually their boy was growing up. Either way, they were looking in the wrong places. And it strikes me that we too can often look for Jesus in the wrong places. We can make assumptions about where he can be found. Now, we can go in all sorts of directions with this as to where he can be found, but I'm just limiting it to just a few. You'll be glad to hear. You might like to tell me some others as, uh, as you leave. Well, firstly we may assume he can only be found where we expect him to be. For example, um, when we do things in a sort of so-called holy way, in a holy thing in the sort of the right way, you know that um, I certainly have a very strong image as a child of the way you're supposed to pray. And the way you, you meet God through prayer, you meet Jesus in prayer, and the way you're supposed to pray is to kneel down by your bed, hands together, eyes closed. I remember a really strong a picture, sort of a mental image of that's it, that's how, that's where I would find Jesus, kneeling by my bed. Um, and it, you know, those sorts of ideas that in themselves, they aren't wrong, of course they're not wrong, but if they become an obstacle to actually finding Jesus for yourself, well then something is going a little bit awry. Perhaps things that we've heard as a child, and that, that mental image that I had, I certainly was taught that as a child we have that sort of baggage about Jesus that we might have heard from someone it might have been a, a well-meaning Christian or a less informed non-Christian that's told us this baggage about Jesus and we still carry that with us and it goes unchallenged or it's not revisited and, and so we remain in a kind of a childlike understanding of Jesus. John was telling me uh, the other day that on a number of occasions at uh, Alpha, they've had conversations where those attending had thought that meeting Jesus, uh, finding him, would mean doing all sorts of very alien things to what they were used to doing, and, and, and it would all be a little bit odd and a little bit strange. And, and so they, they thought it was more let's keep Jesus at a, a distance because I don't want to meet someone who would make me want to do that sort of thing. 
And they've come to Alpha with all sorts of assumptions about Jesus, who he is, and what those that know him do. And that, for many years, for those people, coming, some of those individuals that you mentioned to me, um, that's been a real block. That has prevented them from actually knowing and being with and finding Jesus because they've got that childlike sort of image that they had had given to them when they were younger and they've never challenged it and they've always carried that with them and it's not really been all that attractive. It could be said that Mary and Joseph were also making assumptions about where they would find Jesus. He was their little boy. He would be where a boy would be, and and that's what they assumed. Perhaps like Mary and Joseph, we fail to let Jesus grow up. Particularly at this time of year, we can reduce Jesus to being a bit of a Peter Pan-like figure who never grows up. And this passage reminds us that he certainly is growing up and he does grow up and he does so with purpose sometimes it's actually we who don't grow up not Jesus secondly like Mary and Joseph uh, sorry secondly like Mary and Joseph furiously hunting for Jesus in verse 44 we may assume that Jesus is to be found amongst friends and family and in some sense That may be true. If they know Jesus, they can reflect something of Jesus to you. And their wisdom can give insight into what it is to know Jesus. However, it it really isn't the same as knowing and being with Jesus for yourself. What you have found instead is the love that is shared between your relative or friend with Jesus. And it's wonderful, and it's great that you can see that, but it's actually a pale reflection of of actually knowing and meeting with Jesus for yourself. It would be a bit like, and I was trying to think of an analogy, but I hope this is helpful. It would be a bit like watching a party through a window um, with an honoured guest engaging with those there, and and you're simply watching them through that window. You're watching them interact with each other. You see it, and it might even make you feel good to observe it. But wouldn't you rather be at the party? Jesus doesn't want you to remain a bystander, an observer, sort of outside. He wants you to get to know him. I would encourage you to examine yourself. Do do you make assumptions about where Jesus is to be found Do these assumptions become roadblocks to actually encountering him? Or do you limit your experience of him by remaining comfortable in observing him meeting with others from a nice safe distance? Mary and Joseph do a classic thing of retracing their steps to find their lost son. And there follows an interesting exchange when they do so. Mary speaks in a way I think all parents can recognise, particularly the ones that come in really late at night. You know, where have you been? That sort of thing. So verse 48, his mother says to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. 
I've always thought that wasn't an unreasonable question. After all, Jesus had been missing for three days, for goodness sake. It was Jesus' answer I, used to, I would have a problem with. Why were you searching for me? Why? I should think that was blimmin' obvious. You were not where you were expected to be. Ah, maybe that's the point. Jesus was not where they expected him to be. They weren't ready to let go of their expectations of their son. In verse 50, we read, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus' answer confounds them because to them, despite what happened, all those amazing things that happened at his birth, he was their little boy. They were looking at him through their own focused, very focused lens. And they'd forgotten there was a much bigger picture to see here. Don't you know, I I have to be in my father's house. Mary expects Jesus to behave in a certain way. And Jesus expects his mother to know why he isn't. They have two different understandings of who Jesus' father is. And it's led to a rather dramatic misunderstanding. And all too often, we pigeonhole Jesus Or rather, we expect Jesus to conform to our picture of him. We try to see him through our own focused lens and then wonder why we don't know him as well as we would like. Something I've never really noticed before, and and I apologise if this isn't Luke's intention, theologians amongst us, but we have in this this account, so soon after Christmas, a sort of uh, precursor to Easter. Let me explain. Mary and Joseph find Jesus alive and well, thank goodness, after three days in a place they just wouldn't have expected. There is a hint here of resurrection. Jesus is dead and buried, is dead and buried, is raised on the third day, and there is a new temple in Christ's resurrected body. Our searching will ultimately come to an end in a new life in him. That will almost certainly not be as we expect. Just as Mary and Joseph didn't fully comprehend Jesus, and we can take heart from that, we, we can, we've made wrong assumptions about where we might find Jesus. Perhaps in our unchallenged childish understandings of who he is, what he wants us to do, or by being a mere observer of him in, relation with, in relationship with others. Or perhaps simply limiting Jesus with our small expectations of who he is and and what impact he can actually have on our day-to-day lives. Well, these are all part of the journey in discovering Jesus. But to truly find him, we need to sort of acknowledge or re-acknowledge who he is. God's son. Come to reunite us with his father by his death and resurrection. His primary concern, you can see at that point, and ours too should be, not, your, not our own will, not the will of the family, not the will of any other authority, but the will of his heavenly father. And we may not fully understand all about Jesus, but nonetheless, he invites us all to join him, to have faith and to trust him, to follow him, because it is through him and his saving work that we can know the Father. 
I can't guarantee it will all be as you expect. In fact, the reverse is far more likely to be true. But you can be sure that finding and following Jesus is always going to be one of the greatest adventures. <laughs>